This week on A Dash of Grit, three local guys, one small town, one big dream, a lot of grit, a lot of courage. It takes all of that to build a multi-million dollar international company. You're about to meet Ben Ferguson. He'll tell you how he did it next. This is A Dash of Grit, recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And so let's get cooking. Our guest today is known locally for having the best pizza and ice cream at Village Point Parlor in Hayesville. That's my own little shameless plug for my favorite thing in town here. But uh, he is a community leader, a visionary behind the scenes, and his company, Benton Publishing, is an international success. And that's what we want to talk about today with Ben Ferguson, President, Chief Executive Officer of Benden Publishing. Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on A Dash of Grit. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brian. Really thrilled to. I've always wanted to talk to you more about your story and I'm excited to get into it a little bit. So before we do that, before we talk about the hard work and the struggles and the grit, and we're definitely going to get into that, I want to talk a little bit about success. What's great for Benden Publishing? Tell me, tell me some good things about your company. Benden's actually doing uh, really well right now. And uh, we've had really substantial growth over the last two years. And it, it gets a little harder to uh, continue to raise the bar and uh, get over the hurdle once you get to a certain uh, revenue level. And we've been able to do that through a couple of uh, strategic moves that we've done in the industry over the last two years. The sales are going really well. We're really pleased with where we are today. Tell me a little bit about the industry. What in- industry is Benden Publishing in? Tell me a little bit about what you do, what you do on an international basis. So Benden is a uh, children's activity book, and we do a lot more than that. We do flashcards and educational manipulatives. We do coloring activity books, story books, board books, kits and sets that would retail for up to $39.99. We sell across the board from uh, Dollar General up to Costco. Our price points are, again, starting at $0.99 cents and go up to $39.99. We have a lot of what we would call permanent real estate at the retail level. So if you went into a Dollar General, as an example, every book in Dollar General, there's 17,000 of them. Every book in Dollar General is ours. So we have an eight-foot section. Some of the stores have a four-foot section. And we have that same model duplicated in Rite Aid, CVS, Walmart, et cetera, all across the nation. That is fantastic. So when I walk into a store and my kid says, Daddy, I want that Barbie book or I want that Avengers book or whatever it might be, it's more than likely a Benden publisher. That's right. Yeah, there's a... uh, 70% chance that book is ours. Fantastic. That is wonderful. And so so that is the, as far as I'm concerned, that's the definition of success. And you talked a little bit about the hurdles that you have to overcome and, and ceilings. And what's interesting is that even on an international level, you have those ceilings. I know in small right. business, you have ceilings to get through. And, and so let's talk about that. Talk about some of those ceilings that you've had to go through, some of those opportunities that you had to show real grit, real struggle to get through when maybe things weren't as good as they are right now? Well, yeah, there's a lot. Number one, the industry that we're in is dominated by uh, major publishers, Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, people like that. So when we started the company here in Little Ashland, Ohio, it was uh, very tough to get off the ground. I started the company in uh, 2000, late 2000, with two partners, local guys. The beauty about it is we didn't know what we didn't know. And I, I guess we didn't know how high the climb would have to be to be successful. And we started with uh, a very simple product line, all non-licensed. 
And what we quickly found within about a year is we could carve out a niche where we could go after what would be some of the harder business to obtain, but some of the major publishers really didn't have an interest in going after the dollar stores. Price points were too low. It was too hard for them to make money. So we started with a business model that would allow us to be successful in those price points and at those retailers, knowing that if it worked there, we could always go up. But if you start with a business model that had price points of maybe $4.99, $5.99, et cetera, you're competing with the major publishers and very difficult at that point in time with your overhead structure to go down in price point. So that was our original niche and it worked out really well. It was very tough the first several years and we ran into many obstacles Probably the about biggest, some of those. Yeah, probably the biggest obstacle that I see, not just with Bendon, but I see in all businesses. Well, I'll tell you this way, Brian. I ran across a lot of people who have good ideas. And what makes a business or an entrepreneur successful is executing against those good ideas. And probably the number one tool to execute against a good idea is capital. Mm-hmm. So how do you raise that capital? And myself and my partners, we had no idea. We weren't financially savvy. So raising capital was very tough. Mm -hmm. And uh, we learned very quickly, tough world out there. It's a ruthless world. We, uh, as far as financials go, and at first we did all of our banking locally. And we very quickly ran past the financial restrictions that we were able to work within locally. And, and was that awesome. need, was, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm wondering that need for capital, was that to keep things afloat so that you didn't fold or was it to try to break into new opportunities? It was all due to our own growth. Yeah. You know, we were a little too successful early. And it was the first great lesson I learned, Brian, about business. There's basically, you know, you can say uh, the company made $100,000. Then you look at the checkbook and due to your working capital, you had no money. Yeah. So we couldn't finance our inventory and the receivables at retail. So we very quickly realized that we had a problem and it was a situation where we could have slowed way down and controlled the size of the company. But we were young guys. We were in our 20s. We didn't know better. We kind of went with the mentality of we better get it while the getting's good and keep growing the company and more must be better. Yeah. yeah. And um, we had to take on an outside investor back in 2003. And how we did that was uh, unique. It was very tough. And it was a learning experience for all of us. But we uh, went to a venture capital partner we found through a a small process we ran across the nation. And uh, we chose one out of Greenwich, Connecticut. And we basically sold 40% of our company for millions of dollars that would allow us to continue to grow. None of the founders took a dollar. It all went into the company. That was one of the smarter things that we did. And that's tough, Brian, when you think of, um, you know, three guys in their 20s and they're staring at the opportunity to uh, take hundreds of thousands or a couple million dollars personally. And we decided to leave it all in the company for growth. And And how did that make you feel then? What were some of the challenges that that brought up internally in your team? And and what was going through your minds at that point? Well, you better be a believer in your business at that point. Yeah, buddy. Uh, You know, when there's money on the table and you elect to roll that back into the company, you better really believe in what you're doing because you don't get the opportunity twice. And it's very expensive equity. You sell 40% of your company, that equity, you don't get back. Okay. So it was tough. There was three of us. And I can tell you that the three weren't always aligned on exactly what to do. But it made, for, it made for a really good partnership. 
Okay. I was probably the most aggressive on growth, probably because I didn't know better and didn't realize all the hurdles and heartache and how tough that was going to be. Then we had one of the partners who was probably right in the middle. The third partner, very conservative, very smart guy who uh, would hold the reins back a little bit. And it really made for a nice partnership. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have the checks and balances as you go through that. So was there, when you put the money back in, did it just feel like full steam ahead or did your family and friends say, you're crazy? What are you doing? Like what was going through your minds then? Both things. Yeah. Uh, Number one, it was wonderful. Up until that point, we were literally, the company was surviving nearly week to week and it was a very profitable company. But again, the working capital to hire new people, to attract good talent, to carry the proper amount of inventory, you know, you need money for that. And uh, we were drawn out on the bank line. It wasn't that we were taking the money personally. We were just trying to finance the growth. So once we got that capital infusion from a business standpoint, that was the real opportunity to do some of those things that we had been wanting to do. And that was to invest in people and to invest in inventory. So that part was wonderful. And that, quite frankly, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. At the same point, when you bring in a capital, our venture capital partner, now it's not just the three of you, the three local guys that own the company. Now the hurdles got even higher. The stress level is through the roof. And that definitely takes a toll on you as a person and on your family. That part's very tough. Give me some examples of bringing that new partner in, having the money in, the opportunities to move forward. Give me some examples where maybe that caused you to do the wrong thing. You said, okay, full steam ahead. Oops, maybe we should have done this way. Or maybe thoughts that you were having that maybe I'm not doing this right. Give me some feedback into that. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think that we were lucky and the timing was right. We were fortunate to make all the right decisions. And I mean that sincerely, Mm. we made all the right decisions. And I think having three partners with different views, we all got along, we didn't always agree, but we, we were partners and we made decisions as a group. And that allowed us to quite often make the right decisions. Yeah. Uh, where it really, it was tough is now you're trying as hard as you can to raise the bar even higher. You have partners that are uh, aggressive financial partners and you're trying everything you can do. You're working incredibly long hours. You're traveling five days a week all over the nation and the world to try to grow the company. So really the struggle came from a personal level. You know, There's always a balance. And all three of us partners had young families, uh, young kids. We're all very involved fathers and husbands and wanted to be the greatest dads and husbands we could be. At the same point in time, you know, you're, you're driven as an entrepreneur and as a businessman and you have a lot of financial stress now that you've done yourself. You just didn't realize you did it yourself, but you've continued to uh, set the bar higher. And that was the uh, real tough part at first. It's amazing that success and money to many who don't have it, it looks like it's easy, awesome, the greatest thing in the world. And yet you're telling me that it actually can cause some issues on the other side that you really have to get past. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Now I can say again, as far as the company goes, it was very successful. We were turning in uh, 200% growth, 300% Mm. growth. And we went from five employees to 30 employees to 50 employees. And our sales quickly climbed over $50 million. And it was really the first time that I would say that the company was comfortable. I would say that the company was very financially sound. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, we were very fortunate that a lot of the decisions that we made, they proved to be the right decisions. And then what? So now you're you're growing and you're making these opportunities and you're making the right decisions. Uh, What was the next ceiling that you bumped your head into? Here's the problem. When you get in the financial world of venture capital and private equity, it's a a merry-go-round that just keeps going faster and it makes it incredibly Mm -hmm. tough to get off. We sold the same 40% tranche of stock three years later from the venture capital partner to a private investment family office. The first guy made three and a half times his money, actually four times his money, and he was very successful and very happy. So now we got with more of a strategic investor and uh, continued to grow the company. One of my partners said, you know, this has been great. This is enough. There was no financial worries any longer for any three of us uh, personally. And the company was in great shape. And he elected that that was going to be enough and he was going to move on. Mm -hmm. So now we're down to two original partners. You know, we're still on that merry-go-round. So really, that's when things got fun in a lot of regards, because it opened up the world to new opportunities. One thing I'd always wanted to do was to grow via acquisition. So we started talking a lot about that. And again, needed more financing or a different arrangement or a different capital structure. So the family office then said, okay, I'll allow you guys to sell my portion. So we went and did another uh, fairly large process and we sold not only their portion, but also a fair amount of our stock as well, our individual stock in the company and sold to a private equity company on New York City. The demands got higher and the stress level certainly rose, but now we were able to take their expertise and to leverage the private equity model and go out and do acquisitions. And we did two really large acquisitions and we quickly became the largest in the world at what we do. And our revenue shot close to $200 million. Now we're squarely in the private equity game and the company is all of a sudden quickly becoming very corporate. Things have changed a lot. You you take your entrepreneurial hat off and you throw that away because now you are a corporate CEO or a corporate executive. Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference when you have 160 employees, five offices around the nation, and uh, you're still looking for growth. We took the private equity, just how private equity works by definition is they buy and sell. So they decided that they were going to sell the company again. And that's how they make money. And then they made a lot of it. They made hundreds of millions of dollars on their investment. And uh, again, we sold some as well. And uh, the remaining partner, other than myself, said, you know, that it's been a fun ride, but this is where I get off. Yeah. And now there's just you on the screen with me. So the (laughs) merry-go-round slowed down uh, just enough for him to get off. And uh, he was very happy and has gone on to love life and have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, then uh, the last of the Mohicans, I'm left. Yep. And that was about five years ago. We continued to grow the company. We certainly ran into some struggles at some point in time the next portion of growth gets tougher and tougher. Always, right? So yeah, I mean, when you were doing $10 million in revenue to go to 20, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was very achievable. Mm -hmm. When you're doing $300 million, uh, 400, it gets very tough to continue to find those big chunks of growth. And a lot of that comes through acquisition, but you have to be smart. You have to do the right acquisition. It's a very strategic game all of a sudden. And you know what's interesting? And I love part of doing this show. I get to meet folks like you and talk about these things. What's interesting is that there's no limit on the amount of grit that you have. The reason I remind folks, it was you and two others in the tiny little town of Ashland. And there's four others of us in this town, right? It's a small town. (laughs) You you took that and turned it into this multi-million dollar corporation. And yet 
you're not out of grit. The other two partners used as much grit as they had and said, I'm, we're good and that's great. You've still got more grit in you and you're like, I'm wanting to go for the next thing. And, and so it doesn't get easier, does it? It just keeps no. getting next. Yeah, they were smarter than I was. <laughs> Yeah, they were smarter than I was. And uh, I was the youngest. So I guess in fairness, maybe it was my turn to keep the wagon running. It was five years ago, my partner, the final partner from the original three, he bowed out and he's doing other things and enjoying business. And I'm sure he's having a great time. But as we continue to grow the company, you're exactly right. It just, it changes. There's still the grit, I'll call it, that is needed but it's certainly different. Now you're managing people, you're managing different offices. Uh, a lot of my life today is managing shareholders and banks. Mm. So, and that's before, not what you got into the business for, is it? Absolutely not. See? Yeah. Before I was uh, largely a salesperson and an entrepreneur who loved deals. I'm, I'm probably a self-described deal junkie. Yeah. I love the adrenaline of doing deals, whether it's a licensing deal with Disney or a big promotional deal with Walmart. I love doing deals. And all of a sudden, a lot of my time and effort and focus really is on managing people and managing shareholders and banks and really working strategically with hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's a different game for sure. Yeah. And it's fun for you. And I, and I know that uh, you've got more in you. And so let's go ahead. And if you don't mind, give us a sneak peek. What's next for Benden Publishing? What are you hoping to accomplish next? Well, I'll tell you, it's actually a very exciting time because we really went through as the acquisitions I told you about, you know, buying companies and then selling our company. We sold Benden four times. Mm. So, and we bought three companies. We went through an organic growth period, which I call internally a cleanup period, where, you know, there's some things when you're moving so fast and when you're growing the company by hundreds of millions of dollars, there's some things around the edges that weren't done to the best of our ability. Okay. just because of speed and time, et cetera. We spent some time basically cleaning up the company and really preparing the company for the next big jump. And that's really where we are today. We started that process late last year. And really what we're looking for now is strategic and they can be smaller, but acquisitions again. And we were able to come up with a really wonderful acquisition. We actually closed right in the middle of this COVID period. Oh my. Which was incredibly tough. Yeah. Very, very difficult, but we closed on this acquisition. It's a smaller acquisition, but it's incredibly accretive to the company. And we're really excited because it takes our product line and helps us grow into adjacent categories. And it's a non-licensed product line. It'd be all branded Benden and other uh, oh. brands that we own, okay. but it's not Disney and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're able to do more with it internationally, which is the next big piece of our growth. So you'll build the Benden brand as opposed right. to the licensed brand. Exactly. Good for you. I'm excited to see your success. Do you mind if I reach back out when you're getting it and we talk about it again? I hope you do. All right. I appreciate that. Ben, you talk about growth and you talk about opportunities. If someone wanted to reach out and talk to you for whatever reason or reach out to Benden, how might they get in touch with you? They could email me. They could email me at bferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, at bendenpub.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part of this show, Ben. The grit that you've shown and your ability to be personal and, and real and the time you spent with me, which is so valuable, I greatly appreciate. You got it, Brian. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, very quickly, I want to let you know that Spire is the company that I work for and, and hopefully we follow in the footsteps of Benden uh, Publishing as we move forward. But we are a team of marketers that help businesses like you, businesses like Benden, businesses that are trying to grow. 
do so. And so if you uh, need any information about marketing or any ways that we can help, please reach out and let us know. I am Brian Leffelock. I'm on LinkedIn. You'll find me there. Thank you to Ben Ferguson of Benden Publishing. This has been a dash of grit. As you can tell, it's an acquired taste and we look forward to talking to you the next time. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.